If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, folks, here we are, January 5th. We've got a couple of days here, actually, what could turn into a couple of weeks between now and January 20th that could literally and metaphorically knock your socks off so you have tuned into the right place. Welcome. I am your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, opinions, feedback. Yes, I'll even accept your adoration and praise. Todd at Also streaming the program live on our website, ToddHuffShow.com. You can check us out on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, different places like that. The program is streaming in most of those places. By the way, if you like the content, please like it, share it, comment. It'll help the algorithms at those social media platforms be forced <laughs> to allow our content to reach more folks as we're trying to get some traction there but good to be here thank you for joining us i want to start today i want to start today by talking about oopsie daisy there we go i want to talk about uh some comments made last night by or yesterday by jenna ellis you'll know her name as one of the attorneys for the trump team And she's out there basically uh, making the case that one of the things that President, uh, excuse me, Vice President Pence can do is make, is is delay the certification. So, President of the Senate, Mike Pence, who's the Vice President of the United States, yes, Sarah Palin was correct, as we've pointed out here now the past couple of days. But Mike Pence, his job is to count the votes. Now, some people say, This is a pretty straightforward thing. Other people say, now, wait a minute. What happens if Vice President Pence gets dueling electors, as they say? Some folks say, well, those are not the certified electors. Well, others would say that is not not, uh, what the Constitution says. It's, It's to open and count the votes. And so he has to determine which votes are valid. And so if states are sending him dueling electors, then he has to get that cleaned up because what is he supposed to do? He's trying to do his job faithfully as the president of the senate acting in his capacity as vice president of the united states making sure that the electoral votes are counted properly by the way be the first time the first time that anyone actually tried to make sure something was counted properly along the way here anyway so jenna ellis and i think ted cruz leading well one of the now i think it's 12 12 or 13 senators folks this is significant 12 or 13 senators 
who are on board with challenging these election results. I've heard in the House it could be – there's at least 50, I believe. Someone threw a number out there over 100, maybe even 120. We'll see how this all shakes out. As I pointed out yesterday, don't be fooled by the politics of this, right? There are people who – listen, they are responding to this in this way because you have gotten their attention, You've gotten their attention. You have gotten – you have made it known. The American people have made it known that they don't appreciate what's been happening in these these states. They don't appreciate seeing data scientists saying that in the state of Pennsylvania, President Trump had 432,000 votes stolen from him in the data. They can show negative points in the data where Trump actually had negative numbers. That should never happen. Folks, you may think, you may be sitting at home or driving to work or at work or wherever you're listening to this fantastic program today, but you might be sitting there thinking, you know, I don't understand all this, you know, I'm not a data scientist, I'm not someone who is uh, interested in or has all the knowledge of, uh, you know, running elections, I don't understand technology, but folks, you have common sense, and I've said this on here before, trust yourself more than these experts, I'll say this. Experts a lot of times – my dad had a term. My dad has a term, I should say, that he – I said had because he – I heard him use it more frequently in the past before he was retired. And he often used this term. My dad is a union Democrat, but he was a union representative. And he would use this term to describe the other side, uh, the management side, and he would call some of those folks overeducated idiots. And while – He and I don't agree on everything political, although I will tell you this. We agree on a lot more than people might think, which which is one of the reasons why I hold out hope for this great nation because I think there's a lot of middle ground for people um, who are not radical, unhinged, leftists, socialists, and communists. That's a small – that's – well, it's bigger than I want to admit, but it's not the majority. Anyway, but he was right on that. Overeducated idiots. Some folks – um, I recall from the movie JFK, Kevin Costner's character said, theoretical physics can prove that an elephant can hang off the side of a cliff with his tail tied to a daisy. But we know better than that. We have common sense. We know that that is not a possibility. And that, in fact, my friends, is kind of what we're being led to believe here. There's no reason, if you see a negative, if you see negatives in vote tabulations, something is wrong. When Voting is an additive process. You get a vote, you put it in the pile for the candidate. I, you know, this is it's, – it's being done in the computers nowadays. But basically it takes it and it adds it to the stack of votes for that candidate. You don't get a vote from the system and say, oh, some need to come out. That doesn't even make any sense. And you know this – you know this uh, just through common sense. You may not understand how voting machines work, but you understand that. You certainly understand that. So anyway, we've got this big day. Of course, today's the Georgia runoffs, which we'll touch on that as well, um, whether Georgia is going to vote for um, a lover of Fidel Castro, a socialist, a pro-choice pastor, or whether they're going to vote for, um, you know, Republican 
majority, basically. Are we going to have a stacked court? Are we going to get rid of the filibuster? Are we going to have complete control of the Senate, the House, and unless something happens with what we're talking about here with Mike Pence and the votes and challenging and asking states to uh, confirm their, their electoral votes, are we going to have complete Democrat control of the government, which means, again, who knows, 15, 13, 11 Supreme Court justices, who knows, whatever it takes to get what they want, elimination of the filibuster, statehood for D.C., which is, you. I am telling you, out of all those things that I mentioned, statehood for D.C. is perhaps one of the most egregious to me. D.C. was never intended to be a state. D.C. was deliberately designed not to be a state. In fact, D.C., current D.C., is taken out of Virginia. If people in D.C. want to have a state, they should return. Fine. Put them in the state of of Virginia, I guess. That makes more sense than creating a brand-new state where the federal government lives. But this is how the modern-day statist, the modern-day socialist thinks. These things are all on the docket, Not, not even to mention Green New Deal, not even to mention tax increases, not even to mention a tax on your First Amendment, especially your religious and your freedom of speech, uh, your, your rights there, um, a tax on Second Amendment. Heaven help us on that. This is an all-out assault on the Constitution. That's what we're staring down here with these elections in Georgia today. But I want to stay on tomorrow because I think tomorrow whew, it's, it's much more complex there's much more uh, things that can happen here. So anyway, so Pence tomorrow is supposed to be talking about or I guess counting the votes um, for for president, counting the electors. And so Jenna Ellis and others are out there saying give, give these states a 10-day. In fact, I saw state senators from the, the great state of Georgia have written a letter. I think it's going to be delivered to president – excuse me, Vice President Pence today. And it's going to say, hey – Give us 10 to 12 days here uh, to, to, to make sure to confirm our electors, right? We're getting up. To, folks, we're at the 11th hour here. We're at the 11th hour, January 20th. That is Inauguration Day. That date cannot be moved, although I saw Peter Navarro yesterday saying that that date could be moved. I do not believe that is the case. That's in the Constitution. Anyway, so... It's all culminating here this week. All this is culminating. So Jenna Ellis yesterday um, on another program. Where was she? She was with – here we go. The Water Cooler with David Brody. That is uh, a Just the News television show. So here she is making the case for that Jenna Ellis with David Brody. What uh, Mike Pence could do and uh, what he should do, in fact, is to direct a question back to the state legislatures when there are two competing slates of delegates from these six states. He can ask that question to the states and say, uh, well, state legislatures, you know, I, I have an oath to the Constitution to uphold um, the Constitution as written. And Article 2, Section 1.2 says that the state legislatures direct the manner in which electoral delegates are selected. So you tell me which of these two slates was selected in the manner that your state 
uh, General Assembly has designated? And that's a fair question. That's not exercising discretion. That's not setting up um, any sort of bad precedent. That's actually returning the authority to the constitutionally vested uh, entity. And to simply direct that question, I think, would then uh, require a response from these very uh, timid, <laughs> to put it lightly, state legislatures that haven't been willing to act. And it would, in fact, then give a very clean outcome uh, to this election. It wouldn't be political. It would just so, be saying, you're the constitutionally vested authority. You tell me. Okay. So basically what she's saying, and by the way, it seems to me, it seems rather reasonable Vice President Pence, instead of deciding, as others have suggested, and as we've talked about on this program, as a possibility, deciding which votes to count, he could say, look, my job is to count the votes. Your job as state legislatures is to tell me which – is to give me one slate of electors. So I'm going to give you a number of days, 10 to 12 days has been thrown out there. Of course, we're now on the very eve. That puts us at January 18th, January 18th, which has some significance. Um, That's two days before, two days before Inauguration Day. So Mike Pence can say, hey, state legislatures, go back and just confirm to me which which ones you want to have um, to have counted. Because right now, keep in mind what we've got. We've got electors that have been certified by governors or secretaries of state. We haven't had state legislatures actually clarify. We've had state legislatures investigate. We've had state legislatures have hearings. We've had state legislatures uh, you know, talk about some of the evidence, raise a lot of concerns, a lot of eyes on Georgia, some eyes on Pennsylvania, some eyes in Arizona. Things, I mean, there's troubling things in in Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, all these states as well. So it's a reasonable thing, and it's it would cause, I mean, the left and the media is going to melt down, and that's the question: can can Vice President Pence can he you know, is he prepared to do this? Last night at, in Georgia, President Trump was rallying for Leffler and Purdue. On the eve of this election today, by the way, the size of that crowd, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Did not look like, by the way, the size of a guy that didn't win the election in Georgia. I'm just saying, not saying that that is a definitive thing, but it just simply doesn't compute in a lot of ways. Biden probably had, you know, 50 people standing in circles. Anyhow, so is Pence, is this the route that Pence is going to take? Trump last night at that rally said, you know, I like Pence. He's a good guy. If he doesn't do the right thing here, I may stop liking him. Something, something to that effect. So, you know, what, what's going to happen here? I don't know. But I tell you what I'm going to do, and I, I've thought about this last night. Next segment, I'm going to come in and I'm going to present both sides, both sides of this as fairly as I can, the side that says this needs to be done, and the side that says that the Liz Cheney's of the world, the Tom Cotton's of the world, the Mitt Romney's of the world, who say, look, enough of this. I'm not – you know which side of this I stand on. I'm just going to present this fairly. I want you to hear it. I want you to think about it as I'm sure you, you have. You don't hear this other places because the news is not the news. It's about 
shifting your opinion one direction or the other. But I want to do that here next segment. So a quick timeout is in order. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk being broadcast to you live from the office of the potential future president-elect. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. So as I said last segment, I am going... I am going to do my best here, my level best, to present both sides of this election, I guess, debate. So you have an election in November. You have an election in November. And on election night, you have six states, I think it was. Never happened before. Six states simultaneously stopped counting votes. In fact, one of them, actually, I think there were more than six because... North Carolina was one of these states. North Carolina said, hey, um, we're not going to have our votes counted, I believe, in, until November 12th. What? I remember at the time thinking, what on earth? Absolutely no excuse for this. January, or excuse me, November 12th. November 12th is when you're going to have your votes counted. Really? Is that even trying? Then I remember that we're dealing with the government, so I'm like, well, that's, I guess, possible because they're completely inept and – incapable of doing even the most basic of things. And by the way, this is from the same group of people. I'm not saying the same office, but the same general group of people who tells you that they can control the sea levels, that tell you that they can institute complete fairness in the world, making sure that all people of all genders, don't even get me started on this, amen and a woman, the opening prayer in the House of Representatives a couple of days ago, I guess over the weekend, January 3rd, It's, I mean, it's just the stupidity of people. A woman, as though amen is in reference to male. Amen means let it be, right? That's the end of a prayer. You're in agreement with the the Lord or whomever else you're praying with, and you say, let it be so. That's what you're saying. Lord, the things that we have said to you, if it be thy will, amen, let it be so. I guess some doofus up there saying amen and a woman. What on earth is this stupidity? Of course, that highlights all of the new rules in the house where you can't talk about father, mother, sister, brother, daughter, son. We're going with gender neutral terms, apparently. People think that's not a big deal. It's, it's just it, it, these things, folks, it's just the, the incessant assault on logic and reason and reality, and culture. Anyway, I don't want to get into that right now. I want to stay on task here, talking about um, talking about the the election. And if you didn't see that opening prayer, I guess I can have um, we'll have petals. Make sure she posts that petals. Make sure you post the um, the prayer opening prayer of Congress, where the the gentleman praying from Missouri, I believe prayed amen and a woman my gosh anyway so election night we see the results they stop we hear about busted water pipes and all this stuff happening in different places that was in atlanta sending people home 
And then the next day, we begin to see votes trickle in. They came in late overnight. Biden had bumps of, in some places, a hundred and some thousand votes. One single vote drop. Then, then we begin to look at that and think, well, first of all, that doesn't seem right. Now, they had prepared us. Remember this. They had prepared us for this. They told us it's going to look like even a red wave on election night. But wait, that's because all those, all those absentee ballots have not been counted yet, all the mail-in ballots, right? People had to vote by mail and absentee because of COVID. And why did they get to do that? Because governors and courts and election officials arbitrarily changed the laws of the state. Important. Put an asterisk by that. Those folks don't make the laws in states pertaining, well, to any law, but in particular to elections because the state legislature is responsible for how electors are, are, are um, I don't say awarded but chosen, right? So if you change the rules of the election and that impacts potentially which candidate wins, then you've def- – by, by just extension, logical extension, you have changed – you have changed the electors that the state would have been sending to Congress, and that's what Pence is going to be doing when he looks at these electors. Potentially, this is an option he has in his in – his, uh, a tool that he has, potential weapon that he has to use. Hey, I'm not making this decision now. You clear this up. So in the wake of the election, we begin to hear people coming forward making all sorts of allegations. We've seen videos of people cheering when Republican poll watchers are kicked out of places like Detroit. We hear about ballots being shipped in. We hear about pristine ballots, ballots that have a different type of paper, ballots that are, um, you know, look like they are uniform, the same exact votes on stacks of ballots, 98% of stacks going to Biden, People talking about ballots being trucked in from warehouses. Again, they were able to do this because allegedly, potentially, I'm just throwing out, this is one perspective, because they stopped accounts. Again, why did they stop accounts? Why? This never, folks, never has happened. I've heard someone say that this happened one other time, and that was in Broward County, Florida, in 2000. Bush v. Gore, Right? One place where they stopped, and there was a separation of 537 votes. That's how many votes Bush won by uh, down there in 2000. So this is what was happening election night. And then you have a lot of people coming forward. They, they say um, all, a whole plethora of, of allegations have been made from people voting Four people in vans in Nevada. You've got people who voted from other states in Nevada. You have dead people voting, not by you know dozens, but by thousands. And when you look at these states, Trump lost Arizona, or excuse me, Georgia, for example, by 11,779, allegedly. When you look at some of these other states, when you see that Trump was up nearly 700,000 votes election night, you wake up election morning and he's... He's, he goes down the next day or the following day. Arizona was called for Trump, or excuse me, for Biden, even though we had nowhere near enough of the precincts reporting, and it was close. There's all sorts of questions. And then you got the whole Dominion 
machine mess. You have, you know, tech people that tell you that this data is going to places all over the world. You have people who can show, in fact, you had someone testifying before a Georgia state, uh, I don't know if it was a Senate hearing or a House meeting, but a hearing, but nonetheless, he hacks into in real time during this election, this runoff, which has been happening, and today is the last day of that of that runoff in Georgia between the, the senators, Ossoff and Leffler and Warnock and Purdue. But you've got um, – he hacked into uh, one of those pads where you check in, right? One of the – not iPads, but one of those check-in pads. And he says, once I'm in the system, I can do whatever – Whatever I want. He did that in real time, in the hearing, hacked into it, saying that votes – someone made the accusation that votes can be – have been seen going to, to China. I mean it'll blow your mind some of this stuff. I'm not saying that all these allegations are true. I'm simply saying that it's tough to keep up with, and it's very troubling, and it should trouble every single American. I don't care who you voted for, if you voted, if you know what a vote is. This should trouble Americans. This is not the way that it's supposed to work. And so people on this side say, wait a minute. There's one more step in this process, and Congress has to accept these votes. Why on earth would we accept electors from states that clearly have no idea what's going on? Raffensperger told us that he I mean, he's just so definitively sure. He made it sound like he knows for a fact without any doubt whatsoever that the vote tally is 100% correct. He, not even one vote different. He's so sure of this. It's laughable. It's unbelievable what we're being told from the state of Georgia and other states, by the way. And so, and so we have Congress as a final check here on the integrity of our elections who can legitimately raise concerns. And now we have people from both sides of the aisle who are going to raise these concerns and they're going to debate this and there's probably not enough votes to do anything about it especially when you realize there's a democrat majority in the house and you've got republican senators like tom cotton like mitt romney like others um who say look we're not uh we're not going to do anything about this, the states have spoken. I'll, I'll share their perspective as fairly as I can here in the next segment as well. But why would you, why would you vote to certify this? What is wrong? What is wrong with President, or excuse me, Vice President Pence, President of the Senate, when they meet tomorrow? What is wrong with him saying, I want to send these back to the states in question and have them just confirm for me, have a vote or whatever, hold hearings, whatever they want to do. It's their prerogative. I have two slates of electors from your states. The only certifications I have for these electors come from administrators in your state, come from the executive branch, whether it be the secretary of state or the governor. I want you to meet. I want you to tell me which ones you want, and that's whatever you say is what I'll do. But right now I've got two slates of electors, and I've got two slates of electors because your states, candidly, have some things that you need to tend to and just confirm for me. That is – I'm going through that very quickly. I mean we could do hours of programming on – and maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe we will here. But on, on alleged voter fraud and all the stuff that's out there, it's, it's overwhelming, folks. 
is truly overwhelming. So pause. You can take a break. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to present the other side. Yes, I am. I'm going to pre- present the other side of this on the other side of the break, and I'm going to tell you to the best of my ability what it is that they are saying, what it is that they believe should happen, and do my best to summarize their arguments. But I'll do that when we get back. Sit tight, and we'll do that here in just a minute. Welcome back. So I told you last segment, and I'm going to stand by this. I'm going to do my best to summarize the side of this debate, I guess, this issue that says, um, well, pertaining to the election. I'm going to give you this side that's uh, got Liz Cheney on it and Mitt Romney and Tom Cotton and Paul Ryan, even though Paul Ryan's not a um, member of the House any longer. Nonetheless, he's out there vocalizing this, and it goes something like this. The American people spoke on election night. The American people spoke. They voted. Well, not just on election night. They voted early voting as well. And the will of the people needs to be followed or respected, which, by the way, I 100% agree with this. Problem is, I shared with you last segment, the reasons that a reasonable person thinks, I'm not so sure that the will of the people has been followed here because of the things that were pointed out. And there's a lot more than that as well. But anyway, so the, the story goes, the position goes, you know, there was an election. The rules were followed. Yeah, sure, there was some fraud. Remember, there was no fraud at first. Then there was some fraud. Then there was not enough fraud to make any difference. That's what they say. Then they say this. There's been – the court has been involved in this at multiple levels. There's been multiple lawsuits. Fifty-plus uh, judges have weighed in on this, and judges have said there's no evidence of wide-scale fraud, not enough to make a difference in these elections. Besides, we're talking about multiple states having to um, – having to – have their votes flip, not just one. So let's just say voting fraud was rampant in in Georgia. Again, I'm summarizing the other side. I don't want anybody here to think I'm telling you what I think specifically here. This is me explaining to you what they're saying. So they say, look, um, even if Georgia was to flip, you still got to flip two others. This is not reasonable. The American people have spoken. This was a maybe not a blue wave, but the people have spoken. They you know, 80-some million people voted for Joe Biden, and we got to get on with life. We've got to accept this. We can't set a bad precedent here. We can't have every time there be an election, Congress getting involved. What happens if this happens to us? What happens if we're the, the winner in an election and Congress intervenes and takes it from us? By the way, let me insert here. I guess it's worse for Congress to steal an election than for people involved in, in tabulating votes. See, to me, it's the same thing, folks. To me, it's the same thing. Context matters. Context matters. I can't even hardly stomach to say some of these words that I've been saying when describing the other perspective. But I did 
I did I did that, right? I mean, I, I and there's merit to some degree. There's merit until you look at the evidence. There's merit in what they're saying in the sense that, yes, we don't want Congress to overturn the will of the people. There's merit. There is merit to that. But the problem is, is that what's happened here? Is that what is that what's happening? People are saying that we want to people who have questions about the election results that we want to overturn the election results. That's completely false. I don't want to overturn any results. My question is, did we gather the correct results to begin with? I'm not saying, yeah, Biden won. Let's do whatever we can to flip that. In fact, I saw someone on Twitter make some comment to me. If the shoe were on the other foot, you know what people would be saying. No, that's not true. That is simply not true. If there was no evidence, if there were not thousands of affidavits, if there was not video evidence and mathematicians and statisticians telling us that what we saw was statistically improbable or at least statistically very improbable. Did I say statistically impossible or improbable if I didn't say that correctly? If I didn't have people showing me on the computer screen, right, the the, the Dominion machines that you could uh, change a vote that was – that had been flagged, right, for adjudication as they say. Votes were adjudicated. That means something in the system flagged it, and it went into a manual review. And then you look and you see there's no records. There's no records of this. There's no the, – those – in a lot of places, the, uh, the part of the machine that tabulates or that keeps records of those details had been taken. That's not suspicious at all. What about Project, uh, Project Veritas? I'll talk about that after the break, but Project Veritas just uncovered that there's – I think thousands, I have to confirm, um, many, many people that are using the same address that's being provided by some organization uh, to people who don't have addresses to go vote in Georgia. That doesn't sound fishy at all. You know, so the other side is saying there's not enough fraud. No one, at first there were people saying there is no fraud. Now there's people saying there's not enough fraud to make a difference. And besides, we've got this across multiple states. But the problem is if some of these accusations and allegations are true, especially pertaining to Dominion voting systems, especially pertaining to the way that states arbitrarily change their voting laws against the will of their legislatures, um, this is a massive problem, a massive problem. So quick timeout is in order. Come back and talk about this in the time we have remaining. Sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. Back, Project Veritas, I mentioned before the break, Project Veritas has um, done one of their undercover operations, and they show that Central OAC, that's the name of this organization, an executive admits that the organization registered thousands of homeless to vote at the same address in Fulton County. This is in direct violation of Georgia state law. You must have a residence to vote. There's, of course, people that use P.O. boxes or maybe it was U.P.S. boxes as well. 
uh, as their home address, as their home address. I'm sure there's some leftist out there that's going to try to explain to us how it's possible someone could in fact be living in a post office box or in a UPS store or wherever, Kinko's, whatever. I'm sure there's someone out there that's trying to do it, and they're probably telling us at the same time that they are pro-science, party of science, telling us that it's perfectly reasonable to think that someone would live in a UPS store or that thousands of people um, using a an address as their home address, even though it's not their home, that's a perfectly reasonable thing as well. Folks, again, I said this at the beginning, trust your instincts, trust your logic, you know, there was a time, you know, you get to the point where you you reach um, a highly bureaucratic state, and see when when you look at common law and when you look at the law upon which this nation was founded, which is firmly rooted, by the way, in Judean Christian uh, principles. When you look at law as it was founded, it was. It, the law reflected things that we knew intrinsically was right and wrong. When you have an overly administrative government, and a bureaucratic state, and it's a bunch of rules and regulations, it's no longer – law is no, more, uh, no longer about moral and immoral. Law is about the way that the state wants you to behave, and there's no mechanism. right? There's no mechanism for me to intrinsically know that I shouldn't do that. Oh, Mr. Huff, did you realize that if you filed – I have a story, and I got to hustle to this because Oz just told me it's time to take a break. I I at one point ran another organization, a nonprofit. We were applying for some some funding. And I remember getting a call from the national organization. It's the Boys and Girls Club, and they said Mr. Huff. I said, "Yes." And his name was I won't say his name. But he's a very nice guy. Worked at the Boys and Girls Club national office and he told me. He said, "Hey, um you are a form A, a form B filer, and you submitted form A. And I said, you know, I said I looked at that, and I wasn't sure what to do. And the forms looked identical to me. And I said, I just assumed I should file form A. And he goes, well, the forms are identical, but <laughs> I'm not making this up. And again, this is not the government, but this is how the government thinks. He said to me, he said to me, form A and form B are identical. But Form A goes to Bill and Form B goes to Susie. So it was an internal thing that said Form A. It's exactly the same. Everything's the same. And, and then he went on to tell me, I'll go ahead and make the change. Well, thank you for that. I mean, gee whiz. Of course you should make the change. What is this? This is what I mean. We're moving to a place that it's about bureaucratic rules and control, and we don't intrinsically, inherently know right and wrong or the difference or why these laws are in place. And I'm long going to take a break, come back and wrap up, sit tight, back in a minute. Folks, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have today, but fear not. Fear not. You can always catch archives, archives of this program, ToddHuffShow.com slash listen. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do that. It's totally free. You can do that on your favorite uh, podcast app, Stitcher, or I don't Google or whatever, iHeartRadio, Apple 
Check it out. Just search for the Todd Huff Show. Subscribe. It's totally free. I've got to wrap up. Lots to talk about the rest of this week, guys. God bless. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.